This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. You all look alive and well. Uh, I thought uh, uh, I'd share with you that uh, Friday, uh, two weeks early, I became a grandfather again. And uh, little Claire Marie was born into this world two weeks early, but still at eight pounds, five ounces. So uh, it's probably good she came early. she does have a few little breathing problems, and uh, her mother's got a little bit of problem with some swelling and stuff, but keep them both in prayer, but I, we expect them to get home. We in the Carney family never do anything the easy way. Neither one of our two daughters, when they were born, came home from the hospital right away. Uh, my oldest had brain surgery when she was five days old, and uh, my youngest aspirated fluid in the lungs and was in the ICU for a month in another city. And from where we live. So, uh, and my youngest grand, or my oldest granddaughter, Sophie, uh, was in the hospital five days before she got home, so she's doing better. We're improving, so uh, uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Claire Marie. Um, today we're going to be talking about the mystery of the wise men uh, and the secrets of Christmas. And the wise men uh, came seeking Jesus. We hear this all the time, that uh, wise men still seek him. But uh, wisdom only comes from God, I say. And uh, to be wise, you've had to been seeking him before to get the wisdom, you know. And uh, I always think in terms of me that even stupid men can seek God, you know. And uh, you don't have to be wise. Uh, you don't have to be brilliant, uh, And if you seek him, though, God will grant you wisdom. But if you've been a Christian for a while, sometimes you get a little tired of seeking. Sometimes you get a little weary on the journey. And this is uh, my testimony song, and I thought uh, I'd share it with you this morning. Do we got any juice on this? My flesh is tired of seeking God, but on my knees I will stay. I want to be a pleasing child until that final day. My mind is full of many thoughts that clutter and confuse but standing firm i will prevail oh in faith that i'll be again won't you help me my friend Lord Jesus holy Lord Spirit 
it set us free from the chains we cannot see come release us I wrestle not with flesh and blood my fight it is with the one who lost the keys of hell and death to God's most precious son. One sleepless night in anguish prayer I triumph over sin. One battle in the holy war Oh God promise me to win Amen Oh I'm asking once again Won't you help me my friend Lord Jesus Holy Lord Spirit set us free From the chains we cannot see Come release us chains we cannot see come release us my flesh it is tired of seeking God but on my knees I will stay I want to be a pleasing child until that final day. Seeking Jesus is a lifelong journey. Discovering who he is, recognizing when he's in the house, or at work in your life, is crucial. Our story today picks up the journey of the wise men who came from the east. Now, all the children of Israel had all the scriptures, all the prophecies, all the promises of the Messiah coming, but when he actually came, they were totally clueless. Uh, I think that should tell us something. Religious people are not always awake to what God is doing. But a person who's actually following Jesus and stays hot on his trail should have a clue. 
And these wise men were seeking him. We pick up their story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And they were wise men. Now, in Kentucky, though, the old story we always tell, and you get sick of hearing it about this time, they always would say down there, you know that the wise men were all firemen, don't you? Because they came from afar. Now, <laughs> I know, it's Kentucky, that's what we do. It's how we are. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people." Then Herod secretly called the Magi to come and ascertain from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king... They went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Hide it in our hearts. Let it take root and grow within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, This story is out of sync for the really Advent season because Epiphany will not happen until January. Uh, And the visit of the wise man is called an Epiphany. Uh, An Epiphany is whenever you have a revelation that has come to you from God. You know, sometimes it's used in common vernacular when somebody gets the right idea, you know, all of a sudden they say, oh, this is what I need to do, and they say, you've had an epiphany, but according to scripture, epiphany is really when your eyes are open to see the face of God, or his hand at work in your life, you see. That's what an epiphany is. And the wise men seeking for the Lord came to discover him. We quoted a verse uh, some weeks ago of Jeremiah 29, uh, uh, 12, I believe it is, where it says, the Lord said, you will find me when you seek for me, if you seek for me with your whole heart. It's very important for us to recognize that you don't really just discover God because, oh, one day 
um, oh, I think I'm going to decide to follow Jesus. You can start following Jesus, but do you really know who he is? Uh, take the Gospels. How many of those disciples started following Jesus before they really understood who he was? All of them? When you start on your journey with Jesus, you're just beginning this process. You don't totally understand who he was. And, and even when you become a mature Christian, it has not yet entered into your mind all who God is and what he has in store for you. And one day, when you stand before him face to face, your mind will be blown. And you will say, oh my golly, this is what it was all about. I can't believe that I made my life about this. <laughs> of course, fortunately, when you get to heaven, you'll probably be filled so full with the wonder of God, the former things won't come to mind, so you'll forget about it anyhow. But that's what Epiphany is all about, seeking to understand him. Do you want to encounter him in a deeper, deeper way? Do you really want to know him? Now, not everybody does. The children of Israel didn't want to get close to God. They said, Moses, you go up on the mountain and you meet with God and we'll stay down here below. And when Moses came down from being in the presence of God, his face began to glow. So much so that, that it bothered the children of Israel. And it worried him even when the, the glow on his face would fade away and and so Moses put a veil over his face because they couldn't bear to see all of that glory. It amazes me. The things that some people will accept on a lower level rather than having the absolute best. If you knew you could go, I mean, the scripture says no man can see God's face and live. Well, I'd risk it. But then I'm crazy. Again, I'm one of those people who will jump out of an airplane with a parachute and thinks it's a great day. But to see the face of God, have we valued that? I mean, as a pastor, I learned not everybody wanted to be that deeply touched by the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite stories, and I'm one of the few people who can tell it, because my family's from West Virginia. I grew up in the capital of West Virginia, Akron, Ohio, and I lived in Kentucky. So I can tell jokes on all three of them. Ah. Uh, but one day down at the Huntington Mall, there were three fellows who were walking down the Huntington Mall. One was a West Virginian, one was an Ohioan, and one was a Kentuckian. And one of them, and I don't know whether he was an Ohioan or a Kentuckian or West Virginian, uh, tap the others on the shoulder and say, hey, fellas, look, I see Jesus over there. That's Jesus. And they all looked, and there was a guy in long hair and a beard and a robe wearing sandals down the Huntington Mall. And they said, he said, I think that's Jesus. They said, that's not Jesus. He says, I'll prove it to you. So he goes over and taps the man on the shoulder, and he turned, Jesus turns around. He says, I'm telling my friends here I think you're Jesus. Well, he says, well, you're right, I am. He says, I uh, see, I told you. They said, oh, you're not Jesus. He says, what would you like me to do for you? 
So one of them, and honestly, I don't know if it's the Highland or the Kentuckian or the West Virginian, said, well, you know, I hurt my back working in the coal mines, and I've been walking bent over all these years. Jesus said, no problem. Reached down, touched his back. He stood up. He said, man, this is great. I'm totally healed. He went up to the next one. And honestly, I don't know if it was the Highland or the Kentuckian or the West Virginian. He said, what would you like me to do for you? He said, well, I was in an automobile accident and I've been walking with a limp all these years. Jesus said, no problem. Reached down, touched his knee, and the man went, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. And he went up to the third one. And honestly, I don't know if it was the Highland or the Kentuckian or the West Virginian. And he said, what would you like me to do for you? He said, man, you stay away from me. I'm on disability. (laughs) The point of that story is, some of us don't want our life to change. Some of us want our lives to remain as they are. We get comfortable. To really seek out Christ, the wise men had to leave the comfortability of their homes, travel a great distance, and follow something they saw happening in the heavens. They were paying attention. Now, these wise men came from what is Persia, and they were probably descendants from those Medes and Persians who had an encounter with a person that we've read about many times in the Bible, a man named Daniel. Daniel was a prophet, a a priest, and and, uh, in the sense of being a prophet uh, for the children of Israel, and he proclaimed the, the glories of God, interpreted dreams, and he was a remarkable person. In fact, in the writings of King Diarus, who was head of the Persian Empire, there's an allusion to what they called a person who was um, a magi, which is singular for magi is, is plural, but the magi was someone who had special abilities and, and remarkable gifts. Uh, somebody, it's, well, it's where we get the word magic. What they did was create miracles. Something wonderful happened. It is my belief that that reference in Dyrus's work is to Daniel and Belshazzar and, well, as they say in VeggieTales, Shadrach, me, or Shad, Rack, Shack, and Benny, I think. And, uh, but they were in the lion's den, and, you know, the lion didn't need them, Daniel was, and, and the other three were put in a fiery furnace, but they were not burned. Uh, it's no wonder that they... The Persians said, these people have special abilities or powers. But that's where I believe it came from. And the descendants of people whom they influenced in Persia helped create teachings that I think even Zoroaster, who started Zoroasterism, picked up on and taught these people. And it's believed these wise men were descendants from those people, from Zoroasterism. And they had been reading the Holy Scriptures. And I'm sure they must have come across this passage in Numbers 24, 17. It's a prophecy from Balaam. Uh, And as he began to prophesy, he was talking about that... uh, there was a, God was going to send someone, and he says in verse 17 of, of Numbers 24, I see him, but not now. 
I behold him, but it's not near. It's not close by. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down the sons of Sheth. Hmm. Listen to what this means. This obscure prophecy is telling us that a star will arise somewhere. These Medes and Persians were acquainted with the scriptures and knew to look for a star. And when they saw this star arise, they said, that's it. Something told them, an epiphany. Something made them aware that the hand of God was moving. Now, we don't know what this star was. There's all kinds of conjectures about it, but no one really knows. God could have just manifested a light to lead them and bring that light to stand over where the child was so that he could direct their paths. God could have done it in a thousand and one different ways. It could have been a meteorite, like Dr. Adam Clark says. It could have been anything that God could have used. But whatever it was, it was a light in the sky. And when you saw a light in the sky, you called it a star. And it came and it directed them to Jerusalem. Then they're in there talking with King Herod and all this other stuff. When they come out, the star comes back and leads them to where the child is. My feeling is that star had to be some sort of a manifestation of an angel of some sort that led them and directed them to where the child Jesus lay. But whatever it was, it was the fulfillment of this prophecy that a king was going to be born. And their mind and their ears were attuned and awake to what God was doing. Years ago, we used to have this thing that we called having God sightings. You ever have God sightings? Or some people call them uh, God moments? Where you go out on the day and you look for where you see God moving. You look for the signs. You look for the way he's at work in people's lives. And when you would see it happen, you were to write down your God sighting and bring it back and share with the group. Where did you see God move? And the scriptures are full of people just recording their God sightings. What they have seen and heard, as John says in 1 John, and what they have seen and heard and handled and tasted concerning the word of life, John says, this is what we declare to you. Your testimony and your witness isn't how you got saved simply, but it's about what you are seeing and hearing as to how God is moving. And Christmas is all about the rediscovery the movement of God. We reenact every year Jesus entering into this world and looking for the signs. And all of the decorations, the light, 
is the light who's come into the world. We look to light as a sign. We see stars. We look to that as a sign of, of, of trying to discover where God is moving. Wreath symbolizes eternity as the wreath has no beginning nor no end. And it's made of an evergreen, which is always green. So it's eternal life. Every little decoration, the ornaments are, were usually gold ornaments and sometimes silver, but represented the gifts of the wise men. We're always looking for these symbols and signs, and every present you receive should be a reminder that God gave us the greatest gift of his son, Jesus Christ. They're to teach us. Look to see where God is moving. He comes in unexpected ways. You get gifts you didn't expect to get. You are surprised with things that come your way during the holidays. And all of a sudden, there's this unbelievable bount of kindness and generosity that flows at the holidays to people who are less fortunate. Good things begin to happen. What is that all for? It's God's way of teaching us that God is here. He's present in the world. And keep looking for him, not only this time of year, but all year long, because Christmas is every day of the year. If you look for it, if you see it, I think it's important that we recognize that God is doing things in your and my life that we do not yet understand or see. We sometimes are fearful concerned, but if we really understood the great love God has for us and we're really on page with him, we would know we have nothing to dread or fear. He is working everything out, as I shared last week. He's working all things toward our good. But we have to have our eyes open to see, you know, uh, what was that old hymn? Open our eyes that I might see glimpses of beauty thou hast for me. We must have eyes that are open, ears that are listening, hearing. Otherwise, we will miss what Christmas is. Now, I was raised heathen. As you know, I was raised by wolves. Uh, it's just a story of my life. Life, life, life. Both my parents were alcoholics. My, my holiday memories is my dad drunk falling into the Christmas tree. Some of you have memories of them decorating it. I remember one Christmas when he forgot to open the flue on the fireplace and the house caught on fire. Great times. Grand times. Um, I wasn't raised in church. My father was. My mother was. But they got away from it. when they, My dad became one of the youngest mayors in the state of Ohio, and they began the social drink and all of this stuff. Next thing you know, they were both full-blown alcoholics. It all kind of shifted and changed, you know, on us. Um, so I wasn't raised up in church. Didn't even know what Christmas was about. But I don't know why this is. I can't explain it. But every Christmas Eve, I would sit by the fire in the tree and I would look and wait for the moment that I had for some reason in my head that Christmas would come 
to me. And what it was, was it was this presence. This little something, this moment, this warm feeling, this experience. It was a spiritual thing. And when that moment came on Christmas Eve, I would know that Christmas had come to me. I don't understand it because I was just a little kid. But it followed me. Even while I was a rebellious, wild, teenager, hippie, radical, long hair down to my shoulders, guitar strapped to my back. I was a sight. Mose Yoder beard. It, it just was something that I did every year. But I shared, I think, a little bit of my testimony that when I was a kid and things were crazy at home, I would run to the woods and I'd be met by a presence there. And I didn't understand what it was, but it would comfort me. And then when I finally became a Christian and gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was a unusual thing. I mean, I was seeking because I'd been an alcoholic by the time I was 19. You name it, I pretty much did it. I started drinking when I was 12. Running the streets, nobody cared whether I came or went. I did drugs, you name it, 19 years old. I'm in a bar one night, everybody's already drunk, and I said to myself, self, there must be something wrong with us that we got to kill brain cells to enjoy life. I don't care how we got here, creation, evolution, or what. There's got to be a better way to live. So I began to search. And I'd read all my life. All my life I've been a reader. I, I don't even remember being taught to read. Now this is going to sound crazy to you, but for some reason I read all my life. My mother had a brilliant mind and she was a voracious reader. But when I went to kid, first grade, we didn't have kindergarten, we went to first grade, I already knew how to read. So I've read books all my life. So I started reading the Hindu Vedas, the Upanishads. Uh, I read the Koran, looking for somebody with some answer. I wanted an exotic answer. I didn't want Christianity because my grandmother used it as a weapon to beat up on people with. And so uh, I kept looking and looking. And sometimes they said good things, and other times they said absolutely crazy things, at least in my thinking. But then again, I was raised by wolves. Finally, I opened the Bible reluctantly, and started reading the red. You know, the words of Jesus in red. Reading the red, I called it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I thought, no one ever said that before. And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. If a man lives and believes in me, he will live even if he dies. I said, no one ever said that before. When Confucius was dying, they said, Confucius, will you live again? He said, I hope so. But Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. If I lay it down, I will take it up again. I said, nobody ever said that. So I did this holy experiment. I said, Jesus, if you're really risen from the dead, then you make your presence known to me. I don't want to believe it because so-and-so said it or preacher said it, or even the Bible said it. I want to know you're alive. You make your presence known to me. And in that moment, I 
prayer, I decided I'm going to keep praying till it happens. And it didn't happen the first time or the second time, but down the road, I can't remember if it was a week or so, but one day the presence of God broke into my life and filled up the empty void. And I recognized it as the presence that met me in the woods as a child and what I was seeking on Christmas Eve. And it filled my heart. That's the great journey we're on. It's an epiphany. I'd like to tell you I've lived perfectly wonderful Christian life ever since, but that's not true. I'm a bit of a mess. Don't look at me like that. You are too. But because his presence is so rich and so deep, it has continued to fill my life to this day. I'm still on the journey discovering new things. And whenever I see stuff and he shows me things, every day is an epiphany. And every time I read the word, there's something new. This is the book that lives. It just the words jump off the page right out at me. And I can't wait to tell you what I've seen and heard and handled and tasted concerning the word of life. It is so exciting. That's the secret of the wise men, the mystery of them. They were looking. The scripture says when they found the child, they rejoiced greatly. Probably in the Greek said, uh, Eureka! That's the Greek word. It means, I have found it. When you find it, you will say, Eureka, stand with me. Bow your heads and look into your hearts this morning. I wonder this morning if you had share, I mean, I just said every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you know you got a good living relationship with Jesus and he's alive to you and you're walking in his footsteps? Would you raise your hands uh, with me this morning? Praise God. Praise God. How many of you know that something maybe seems missing? Maybe that deepening of the presence of God or the spirit of God is missing. Uh, would you just raise your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Yeah. Bless you and you, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty, yes. I want to lift you before the Lord today. And I want all of us to deepen our walk with Him. So, let's just take a moment right now and, and say it again with me. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Say it out loud. Jesus is here. Everybody, Jesus is here. Feel that. Sense it. Now say, Lord Jesus, I want you to live in my life in fullness. I want you to open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear. Give to me God's sightings. Truth openings. Epiphanies. 
that I might be able to share with others what I have seen and heard concerning you. And just in case there's someone here today that wants to invite Jesus into their life, I want to give you that opportunity and I want you to just say this with me, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you and for you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into this world, for living and dying for me. In your name I pray. Amen.